sanctuary. And so I don't know if it's still time to get tickets, is there? Or, okay, the door is still open, but it's about this close to being shut. So uh, children are $6, adults $8. Yes, and so after tonight's service, we need a few uh, good able-bodied men or women to help us uh, set up some tables in here, move some chairs. Won't take long, but right after the service, we're going to get a little bit of help with that. So stick around for the fun. It's going to be fantastic. Also, uh, Sunday is the big Mother's Day service. There is a gift for every mom that is in attendance, so you absolutely don't want to miss that. We also have some additional prizes, uh, as you may know, uh, and so. So you want to be here for that. And then what better way to make mom feel loved than to come to church with her on Mother's Day. You don't want to ruin it for me. <laughs> Alright, maybe I'm, I'm playing the guilt trip. So it's a little thick, but you know, hey, uh, maybe if that, if that helps you, then let's do this. So, alright, so that's this weekend. No Sunday night service this week. Uh, moms, you know, you can have the rest of the day off, so you're welcome. Uh, this Sunday is also the silent auction for the Honduras trip. And uh, that trip is coming up in June. We're sending a team down there with Ron and Annette Thiesen uh, to do some work. And so this Sunday, there's a silent auction. Uh, there's going to be a bidding sheet with each item. Uh, this will be open before the service. And um, also about 10 minutes after the service, the bidding will close. Uh, there's lots of great things. And here at HGWC, we're not trying, you know, to, to just... What I'm trying to say is these are very usable, practical things that you actually want. And so um, we are, some of the items are uh, nail services from Heavenly Beauty Salon. Where's the I just started like three times in the park. And then um, babysitting from some of the young ladies at church. Uh, professional artwork from Dylan Johnson.
Dave, you already got them shouting. Uh, hold on. Amen. Amen. You guys better have something left. <laughs> all right. Does everybody get everything they need to know? We already sort of think of it all. Okay. I want you to look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 22, 23, and 24. And this is really important. I always pray about what does the Lord want to say over the altar when I come up here. And I know that for Christians that are faithful titles, that walk in love, that walk in faith, do all they can to serve Jesus to the best of their ability, that the number one thing that's going to put them over or allow them to go under is these verses right here. Amen. So I want you to notice, and we're talking about your, your finances, faith, faith for finances to prosper the times we live in. Verse 22, Jesus answered and saith unto them, have faith in the news. How many know that if you feed off the bad news, it's going to steal your faith by giving to you? Amen. Anybody, anybody can talk about what they see, but only Christians pull the word and talk about what God sees. And when you see what he sees, and it gets in your heart, and you start talking about it, and it just comes out of you naturally, then your faith is in God, no matter what you see. He said this, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, I'm going to keep on saying this, and saying this, and saying this, and saying this, because some of you don't get it yet, some people never heard it yet, and some people let it slip. Jesus said, whosoever, and... I like that he said whosoever, because in, in modern times, ever since the Bible was written, a lot of religious people always like to say things like this. Well, you know, that was for the apostles he was talking to. Well, he was talking to the apostles. And let them know they weren't some special group, well, they were special, not when it comes to faith things. He told the apostles, he told the apostles, he said, I want to tell you something, that I'm looking at the future, I'm seeing back soon. And in 2023, she's going to have what she says. That's right. Amen. He, he, he said, I see cooking. And she's going to have what she says. Amen. He, he said, I see Greg. And Greg's whosoever. So Greg's going to have what he says. And so right now, I'm talking about the times we live in and our finances and tithers. And let me, let me tell you a clue. As soon as the tither says, it's not working for me. Well, that proves it is. Jesus said you're having what you say. Or, or, we can't afford to tithe, honey. Well, that proves it's working. Because you can't afford to tithe. And so, Jesus said, whosoever shall say into this mountain. And right now, there's some mountains out there. Mrs. Pastor and I stopped at what used to be one of our favorite restaurants down in Victorville yesterday. I couldn't believe it. $49 for lunch for one person. Well, we're one. So we split one. <laughs> Amen. And so that's a mountain when you see those kind of things. And by the way, the portions were smaller too. They were never ten dollars. Alright, whosoever shall say in this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. And we're talking about the prices today of what's going on. Uh, that's a mountain. It says, you, you say, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, shall believe that those things which he saith 
shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And then Jesus tells us the principle of faith. And then verse 24, here's where a lot of people believe in this verse. But verse 23 is hooked up with it. Therefore I say unto you, well, you see it therefore, you got to see what it's there for. He said, because you've got the principle of faith, but you believe in your heart and save your mouth. That's what you get. Therefore, I say unto you, what things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, it shall happen. Well, he just told you how you know you believe you receive. You believe you receive because you talk about it. It comes out of you. And so, I'd like to say it this way for, the, for any time you live, and I've lived this way for a lot of years, but especially right now. How many know... That all the time you hear these words on the news from people you work with. Well, everybody knows it. Everybody said it. Well, Jesus said, whosoever shall say. And so I say, I'm not everybody. I'm whosoever. Everybody might be saying, we can't afford that. Everybody might be saying, it's so high we can't do that. But that's what everybody's saying. But I'm whosoever. I'm saying we can do everything we need to do in Jesus' name. We can have it. We can buy it. We can do it. Whatever it takes, we can do it because the Bible whosoever and Jesus said this how your faith work. And so right now, I said that as a tweaking message by the Holy Ghost for people watching out there, for people sitting in here. Don't let the devil get your tongue. Don't agree with the circumstances. Faith doesn't deny things. Circumstances are real, but faith changes things. That's right. And the way faith changes things, you say, mountain, be removed. Yes. And so, I know I learned a long time ago that driving a car is necessary by way of life. And so whatever gas costs, I'd like to be back to 29 cents a gallon again. Some people I never saw that. I think it was 15 cents a gallon when I started driving. But anyway, that's a few moons ago. But the thing is, whatever gas is, if you're saying, my God supplies all my needs, that's all comes out of your mouth. My God supplies all that needs. Or I'm going to have more than enough. Guess what? You're going to have what you said. And so if you've been struggling right now, make that adjustment. Amen. You need a check up from the neck up. That's your mouth. <laughs> all right. Let's stand up. Make our financial faith confession. By the way, did that, did that help anybody? Yes. Did that spark anything? Yes. Amen. Take care, take care of the lip. I call it zip the lip. All right. As we break the Lord's tithe, in your offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, or better jobs, promotions, raise the bonuses, benefits, sales commissions, growth in business, salaries, state set appearances, interest in income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalty received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for being all my financial needs. If I have more than enough to take care of my family, give just me the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
thank you that you don't leave us to fend for ourselves, Lord, that you come to rescue every single time. And Jesus, our prayer and our, our, our commitment is that we would be faithful to you as well, Lord. We love you and we praise you. You are good and your mercy endures forever. We ask that you would speak to us tonight, Lord. Give us the truth because we want the truth. We aren't looking for lies. We want the truth from your word. And we know that when we know the truth, the truth shall set us free. We thank you, Jesus, for it. And we just open our hearts and our, our minds to you this evening to receive your word. In Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen tonight? Amen. amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. Why don't you give somebody a nice high five or handshake or something on your way down there? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get into the Word of God this evening. And like we said earlier when we started off, isn't it great uh, to, to have Wednesday night service right in the middle of the week? You can get the boost that you need to make it through these next few days, amen, to that beautiful weekend. And it's just awesome, man. I love Wednesday nights. So the title tonight is this, and this may not sound so fun, but you're going to love it. It's called Excuses and Procrastination. Yay, any procrastinators in here? Oh, you identified yourself. You love that, amen. All right. Hey, I heard, I saw a bumper sticker once that I loved. It said, procrastinators of the world unite tomorrow. <laughs> so, hey, you know, shout out to you. You're great, man. We love you so much. But we want to help you through this. And truth be told, I have probably fallen into the procrastination. In fact, uh, my wife told me I put the pro in procrastination. I don't know if that was a compliment or what, but she said it. So, uh, you know, I, I believe that I'm delivered from that and I'm doing better. Uh, we know this much, though. We have all, at one point or another, made excuses for either not doing what we're supposed to do, or for doing something we're not supposed to do. And a lot of times when I do the men's meetings uh, on Saturdays, I have this question for the men, and it's this, what separates the men from the boys? What separates, you know, because what, what, is, what is it that makes you truly a man? Does it mean that you're 18 years old now? Well, I don't think that that's really what makes you a man. Uh, you know, what, what is it? And more importantly, what makes a man of God? Or in this crowd, we'll also say, what makes a woman of God? And one thing that I know is this much, that if you're going to be a grown man or grown woman, you can't make excuses for things like you used to when you were a little kid. There seems to be a common theme for the church this year, and it's this theme of growing up. Who likes this? I like it. I'm ready to grow up. Amen? And it's also about being rooted in the Word of God. And so, if we're going to mature, and if we're going to grow, we've got to get to this place where we quit making excuses for things... And we also quit procrastinating on doing the right thing. You know, we even looked at this verse on Sunday, but to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's a sin. And so someone would say, like, yeah, I didn't actually do something bad. Well, you also omitted doing the right thing, so it's still a sin. It's going to be a quiet night if I doesn't work It's okay. You know, sometimes we need it. Uh, well, let's go on to this. Um, Benjamin Franklin, amen, the great president. He wasn't a president. <laughs> I told I told some of the kids that a while back, 
And I was like, who's your favorite president? And you know, like, I like Ben Franklin because he's on the hundo. Actually, I was an adult, I said this to him, like, you realize he wasn't a president, right? What? No, yes, he was. Google it, man. He wasn't a president. Anyway, but he was a great man. Great man, founding father. And he said this, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Say it again. He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And so what are we doing tonight? We're going to challenge, encourage, correct, instruct in righteousness, as Paul said in 2 Timothy. And I believe that God's just, he's, he's working on us. He's molding us into being better Christians and better adults Christians this year. So let's go through a few things here tonight to get into the word. And number one is this, if you're taking notes, is number one, if we're going to get rid of excuses and procrastination, you got to get rid of the blame game. Don't play the blame game. Do you know who invented the blame game? Adam. Adam in the book of Genesis. Amen. Brother Adam invented the blame game. And uh, as you know, let's turn, let's turn there real quick. Genesis chapter 3. But as you know, if you've read the Bible, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. And, you know, that's such an incredible story. One of the first stories in the Bible. But isn't it crazy how God puts like a billion trees in there and is like, hey, you can eat from any tree out of these billion. Just don't touch that one over there. Well, what happens? The devil comes in and is like, can you believe how oppressive the rules of God are? You know, I mean, this is, you know, uh, I'm, I'm pretending a little bit here. But that's what God, that's what the devil does in our lives. God says, here's a million things you can do. Just stay away from this one thing. And then the devil and stupid people will come into your life and be like, man, God is so oppressive, so judgmental, so harsh, so over the top. He doesn't want you to have any fun. He's taking that one thing away from you. Yeah, he, he says, don't touch this, and I've got a million other great things for you. And only the devil and a fool could come in and make that seem oppressive and harsh and no fun and mean and cruel. And so that's what happens. And anyway, uh, uh, so the devil comes in and, and, and talks to Eve. And upon looking at verse 6, Adam was standing right there the whole time. And uh, it says, man, isn't this crazy uh, that, that you can't eat? I mean, did God really say that? How stupid is that? And, and, and anyway, they eat the fruit and God confronts them. Look at verse 12, Genesis 3, verse 12. God confronts them and here's what Adam, the man himself, had to say. The man replied, it was the woman that you gave me who <laughs> gave me the fruit and then I ate it. What a coward. What a pushover. I don't know how far I can go with the insults for a church, but what a little pansy. How could you say that? He was standing right there the whole time. You look at verse 6. Adam was there the whole time. He should have put a stop to this situation immediately. And then he has the audacity to blame his woman and God all in the same sentence. First of all, it was her. Second of all, you're the one that gave her to me. So, you know, what about that? You know, know, how how about you explain yourself to me? And that's how some people talk to God. And uh, this wasn't going to work. And Adam was also the inventor of throwing people under the bus before buses were invented. And so Adam, you know, a great great man, but uh, he invented several things. So 
as we mature, as we grow up, we come to this point in life where we learn how to own things and deal with them and fix them. Don't pass the blame on. It was President Truman that kept a sign on his desk that said, the buck stops here. And what does that mean? It's like, you know what? They can pass the, pass the blame on everybody else. I'll accept the blame right here and I'm not going to pass it on. If you want to blame me, I'll own up to it and I'll take it. But I'm not going to pass the blame on to everybody else. And, you know, this is a good point to write down. But blaming others is an epic sign of immaturity. That's an inspirational one, huh? You see that on a bumper sticker someday. That's, that's a good one. Blaming others is an epic sign of immaturity. Now, a little kid, you know, you know little kids, you used to be one, will blame someone else for breaking into the cookie jar when they've got chocolate chips all over their face. And they actually think that you're going to believe it. How many of you, your kids, have told you, an absolute stupid excuse, and the evidence was just all over them right there. You know, my brother did it, and you know, they're covered in whatever it was. And, uh, and, and as silly as that sounds, that's kind of what God sees when he looks down here and we're like, yeah, I did it, but really it's her fault because she made me mad, so that's why I did it and said that and why I blew up. So why don't you talk to her first? Thank you, man. Amen. Praise God. So, I'm just being real right now. We're talking about growing up. Let's look at Proverbs 28 and verse 13. So, you can't truly expect to be a mature Christian if you can't take responsibility and own up to it when you make a mistake. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. I'm going to read this one in the Living Bible. Not the NLT, but the TLB. Amen. Different people think it's the same thing as not. They think it's the same thing as not. So Proverbs 28 and verse 13 out of the Living Bible. And man, here's a good verse. The book of Proverbs is just full of straight wisdom to help you grow up. And that's a great place to start if you're looking to grow up. So Proverbs 28. And we're going to look here at verse 13. It says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. So how often will somebody be that can't uh, admit they make mistakes? How often? What's their zero? According to the Bible. They will never be successful. But, here's the good news. If he confesses and forsakes it, he gets another chance. That's good news. Because I have needed some second chances in my life. Am I the only one here that's ever needed a second chance? I, I know I'm not. I know you guys. Hey, it's a small town. <laughs> Listen. Uh, yeah, we've all needed some second chances. Amen. And so, how am I going to get that forgiveness? How am I going to get another chance? Well, I have to admit when I've made a mistake that I've got to confess the mistake and that's not enough. I've got to take it to the next level and forsake the mistake. Forsake it. Quit doing it. So somebody be like, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I did this and I admit it. And then I keep on doing it. I wonder why my life isn't changing yet. Well, you did two out of the three steps. The third step would be to stop doing that, right? And then you get another chance and then you can move on with your life. Now, there's also times when we blame the devil for our mistakes and it wasn't actually him. I'm going to say that one more time. And, uh, you know, a lot of, because the easy route, honestly, as Christians, 
kind of the easy path uh, is to blame the devil for everything. Now, truth be told, many of the things are his doing and his fault, and he is real, and we acknowledge that fact. But I think that we give him too much credit, and I and I believe that he he gladly receives it, and you know he loves it. But you can't sit there like, man, oh, the devil just made me eat four pounds of hot wings. Oh, Lord, oh. No, 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 that was you. You did that. You should have pushed away from the table and said, I tap out enough. I don't have to impress anybody, right? And listen, uh, but you know, there's some things we blame the devil for that he actually had nothing to do with. And uh, and you can say, well, it's my own lack of self-control. I did that. I ate that. I put effort, and now I'm going to have to deal with it and fix it. Uh, but listen, he who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Now, here's another fun one. People that play the blame game often think that just moving to a new location will fix their problem since it's always everyone else's fault. Ever thought of that? I'm going to move to Texas. That's my favorite one. Everyone wants to move to Texas. Then I go to Texas for conferences. I don't I'll show up anyway, so. <laughs> I'm going to make somebody mad. All right. Uh, but I'm going to give a quote from Kenneth Hagin uh, that um, he said this. Often, Christians who are having problems with the flesh think that if they could just get away from it all, or move to another state, or change jobs or churches, things would be different. But you can't get away from the flesh. Moving or changing churches isn't going to solve the problem if it's your unredeemed flesh you're dealing with. Wherever you go, your flesh is still going to be there. Kenneth Hagin said that. And then, of course, this is a proverb from Mark Barclay. Dr. Barclay, he said, The problem with moving to get away from your problems is that you're taking you with you. It's like, every time I go to Texas, I'm there. I don't know how that happens. But anyway, all right. Texas isn't my problem. I'm just picking on it. Uh, number two. All right, number two. Talking about... Excuses and procrastination. This will be a quick point. Uh, but number two, we, we don't make excuses for sin. Now, we all make mistakes and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all sin, right? But that doesn't mean it's okay and we should correct those things. I can't be full of rage and go out getting into fights and shrug it off and say, yeah, well, no one's perfect. People do stuff like that. And, uh, and, hey, that is a statement of truth, but it wasn't correctly stated. Uh, listen, nobody's perfect. We get that. And every person in this church, I know you, would admit that, that they are not perfect. But that doesn't stop us from trying better and trying our best to be more Christ-like. Am I right on that? Yes. Right? We know we're not saying we're perfect. And we wouldn't dare even begin to, to, to hint at that. But we're not making excuses for when we sin. We own up to it and say, I did wrong, man. I shouldn't have said that to you. I, should, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sorry. And I'm going to ask God to forgive me. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me. But here's another thing. Galatians 6, 5. Here's a good verse. Anybody here like to highlight in their Bible? Yeah, that's a fun thing. Huh? Highlight this one. Galatians 6, 5. Amen. Galatians 6, 5. And, uh, you know, if you're on the Bible app, this is a great one, too, to, to highlight. Galatians 6, 5. 
And uh, this is just this is a big boy verse. This is a this is a grown up mature Christian verse. This is you know Galatians six five. It tells us for we are each responsible for our own conduct. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Yes. <clears throat> for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Amen. Amen. We are. And uh, what a beautiful statement that is. It's the truth. And and John 8, 32 says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And if you want freedom in your life, you'll get a hold of Galatians 6, 5. Somebody may anger you. Somebody may do you wrong. And I can't control what everybody does to me, but I can control my responses and my own conduct. Just because you're mean to me, I don't have a right to be mean back to you. It's the truth. Write this down. Here's a good one for you. The children in my house are studying this one in an expository level right now. Luke chapter 6, the whole thing, every bit of it. The whole thing, it's great. Luke 6, 31. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Yeah, that's a good verse. Uh, the children aren't enjoying this expository, in-depth theological study of, uh, of Luke chapter 6, but it's doing them a lot of good. And so, I'm telling you right now, you're responsible for your conduct. If someone else treats you bad, well, hey, they will reap what they sow. God will deal with them. God will, hey, the book of Romans says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You mess with a child of God, you got to answer to their dad someday. All right? But I personally do not choose to uh, take revenge into my own hands. That's stupid and immature. And I'm responsible for my own conduct. I take that seriously. And I know that I'll answer to God for my life someday. So there you go. I don't have time to keep on that topic. So I just got to move forward. But we can't make excuses for sin. Even if... It seems like it's justifiable. It never is. Amen. All right, number three. Let's go. Don't make excuses for laziness. Amen. Amen. We located the procrastinators tonight. Any lazy people? No, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Proverbs 20 and verse 4. Let's do that. Proverbs 20 and verse 4. I think 2023 is the year of growing up and the year of maturity. I think we're just going to name it that because it's just, we're going that route. Proverbs chapter 20, and we're going to look at verse 4. Ooh, you know what? This wasn't planned, but let's look at verse 3, Judas. It's a dandy. Let's see that. Proverbs 20, and this won't be on the screen, so you don't have to act like it's the 90s and just read it. Proverbs 20 and verse 3, it says, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. There you go. That was the bonus content right there. All right. Let's go to verse 4 now. In the New King James, it says, The lazy man will not plow because of winter, but he will bake during harvest and have nothing. And so what is that telling us? That this guy right here, this lazy guy, made an excuse for why he couldn't go out and plow like everybody else was. He didn't want to plow because he felt it was the wrong season. It was too cold. It was it was winter time. And then what does this guy do? He wants to bomb off everyone else who worked hard, and they're now enjoying the fruits of their labor. But this guy's going to bake during harvest and have nothing. He's begging.
for your money that you worked hard for when he had the exact same opportunity that you had. It's true, it's Bible. You know, I'm not making this up, I'm just reading this. And so it says he's gonna have to beg during harvest and have nothing. And so we've got to learn also that hey, part of growing up is owning up to it. And this is talking about uh, you know, your work and stuff like that, but spiritually speaking, there's a lot of spiritually lazy people. This is the truth. Amen. And I know people that are, they are hard workers, you know, for Santa Fe. They are hard workers for Fort Irwin. They are hard workers for wherever. But spiritually speaking, they're quite lazy. And they don't know why they aren't seeing the massive gains that others are seeing. You know, it's incredible. You know, I, I see people that have, you know, just got saved a year ago or something like that. And they are just growing at an alarming rate. And it's incredible. You know, I think it's someone, I think, can we do this? Can we, I think someone like Raymond in this church, like that was an atheist and got saved a year ago. What in the world? I've hardly ever, very rarely have I seen something like that, where someone goes from total darkness to light and then exponentially grows at an alarming rate. Well, why is that? The man is here three times a week. 52 weeks a year, and anything else. I mean, I'll show up and be like, hey, we're going to toothbrush clean the parking lot on Thursday night. He's already out here. Like, what? You know, that's an exaggeration. But anything we do, the guy's here. And then I'm like, what, what's going on? But then you see the results. Then you see somebody else that's like, man, I've been in that church for 57 years, young man. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and they can't take an insult from somebody without melting down that little snowflake. Proverbs 26 and verse 12. Proverbs 26 and verse 12. We are discussing excuses and procrastination. Proverbs 26, verses 12 through 16. There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. Do you know anybody that's super wise and they're not ashamed to admit it? <laughs> I love people like that. They're the best. You know, they're, they're wise. You know, they're so smart. And they're so proud of it. And, and, and so humble. Uh, but they're, they're glad to tell you. Verse 13. The lazy person claims there's a line on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a line out there. What is that? that, that that's, that's a stupid excuse. And it's unrealistic. Well, I would go out and do this, but uh, well, there could be a line out there. That's enough. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Verse 15, lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Lazy people, here it is, consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. I, you know, I, I know people like this. And isn't it incredible how smart and wise and brilliant some lazy people are? I'm like, well, if you're so smart, then I mean, where's the fruit of your labors? Where's the proof of it? And you know that, that they, they stay home and play video games all day with their brilliance. 
They look things up on Google and search things out on the internet. They're an expert on everything, but they don't ever actually do anything. <laughs> I love Roman. I love that. And the best part of the live stream right now is getting to hear all this. I love this. Amen. Good job, Roman. All right. You want you can, hey, you can do something. But, but here's the, I remember one guy, you know, he's no longer around here, but he was an expert at research. And any topic we brought up, I mean, we can be talking about, you know, the Middle East crisis, or we can be talking about, you know, the oil that in and out uses for their fries, or we can be talking about, you know, Kleenexes or 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 anything. And he always had an opinion, always knew everything about it. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you have this much knowledge? Well, it's easy. He never actually got out of the house and did anything. He had nothing but time to research on Google all day long. And, and just, and, and I'm like, wow, it's incredible. But listen, a lazy person always considers themselves. I don't know a lazy person doesn't think they're brilliant. Even spiritually lazy people the time. You know, mainly the only comments and complaints I get are from spiritually lazy people. None of you guys complain about anything or, you know, bring stupid things across. But there are lazy people spiritually that always know how to pastor a church better than we do. And they've never pastored, a, you know, uh, the nursery or, or a youth group or uh, an at-home Bible study. But they know what it would possibly be like to be in charge of 350 people. They're the best. They're the best. They love them. And, and so listen to me. Uh, it's the Bible, that's not my word. It's the Bible. Lazy people always consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Yet there's no fruit to show for it. And so, what are we talking about tonight? Listen, stop making excuses. Stop procrastinating. If I was just talking to a church member right before service, and she did the right thing. God told her to do something pretty, you know, outside, pretty extreme the other night. And, and, and she just did it. And it worked, and it paid off. The average person wouldn't have done what she did. But she was mature, she was smart, and she just did it and saved somebody's life for it. Why? That's maturity. The lazy person would have said, oh, it's a Friday night. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, but she did it. Amen. All right, let's go to the next one. The sound, I've been, I've been doing too many sound effects lately. It's, it's, it's getting out of here. It's getting out of here. Amen. <laughs> oh, here's another good quote. Well, before we move on, here's another home run quote from George Washington Carver. He said, 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. I'm going to say it again, Mom. 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. And so here's a guy that, uh, I mean, had every excuse in the book. Born into slavery. Born, you know, if you don't know who he is. I mean, he, he, he had so many reasons why he shouldn't be a success. And then he talks to God. He's a great scientist. And he talks to the Lord and says, Lord, I, I want to know the secrets of the universe. I want to know all the knowledge in the world. 
And the Lord speaks to him and says, that's too much for you, but I'm going to tell you everything that you can possibly handle about the peanut. So what does he do? He goes out and invents tons of things from the peanut. You know, plastics and different things that we use even to this day. And if there's anybody that could have said, I just wasn't dealt a fair hand. It's not fair. I didn't get off to a good start. No, he had every reason to make excuses, but he refused to and became a world changer of a man. And he said, 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. Amen. <laughs> I don't have much time, so I'm just going to go on to number four. But, but let, you know, come on, let, let's consider some of this and realize, you know, our excuse, if God tells you to do something, what's your excuse going to be? There, there's, no, there's no good excuse to give to God. Number four, we're going to say, don't make excuses for not serving God. Is there any good reason to not serve God? To not do what he told you to do? I mean, he told Noah to build a giant boat because the massive rainstorm was coming. And read the Bible, it had never rained from the sky before. You realize that, right? Genesis tells us that up until that point in time, water had never fallen from the sky. God watered the earth by making water come up out of the ground, a, a dew every day. And so that's how the earth was watered. And God says, hey, I'm telling you now, start building this thing because I'm going to cause water to fall from the sky and from the ground. And that's how this massive flood occurred. That all, it says all the waters beneath the ground erupted at once. And the water, the, the skies opened. And water for the first time ever fell out of the sky. And Noah could have said, you know what? I, I'm not, I, I love you. I don't think I can do this. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Noah could have made a great big excuse. But he didn't. And then God asked me to show up and serve in the nursery once a month. But that's too much to handle. No, I heard of one church that had a no excuse Sunday. No excuse Sunday. It was a great idea. But for those who were always too tired for church, they did, they provided beds in the back of the sanctuary. You know, just you can still sleep. Just come to the building and you can sleep. For those who were always too sick, they hired, you know, an on-call doctor to be on hand for those that were just always too sick for church. For those who were always too hungry, they provided food and coffee that day free of charge. For those who just couldn't miss the big game, they had the NFL Sunday ticket out in the lobby on big screen TVs. Just come to church. We won't even take your football away. They covered every excuse possible for the excuse makers. And guess what? They still didn't come to church. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because their excuses were just that. Excuses. Mark my words. Excuse makers, once you take that excuse away, they'll find a new one. There's a, one time when I was young, man. I was uh, 18 still. I worked at FedEx in Indianapolis. And our, where we lived was... 45 minutes away. And so this guy, you know, I witnessed to him all the time and, and, and finally he's like, I'll go to your church if you'll, if you'll give me a ride. And I'm like, okay, I'll be there. It's gonna, it's gonna take, you be, be ready. So I get up real early, drive 45, well actually just, I was like, drove about an hour to Indianapolis. 
he didn't show up at the meeting spot. And then I had to rush back an hour back to our town. And, and, what, and what's, what's the deal here? Well, people that just don't want to serve God, you can beg, you can plead, you can bribe. And it's just not going to happen until they get it in their hearts. And they'll find another excuse, you know. And that's just the way that procrastinators and excuse makers are. Second Corinthians 5.10. This will be our final verse for the evening. Second Corinthians 5.10. Amen. Who's enjoyed their evening together? Amen. I feel that it's been a wonderful evening. Whether you've enjoyed it or not. I've had a good time just looking at people's faces. It's been I'm kidding. You guys are a great bunch. You guys are awesome. Amen. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 10 in the New King James. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 10. This is just a friendly reminder, you know, of why we, we don't need to make excuses for serving God or not serving God. Second Corinthians 5 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So everybody is going to stand before the Lord someday and give an account for their life. You know that, right? That, I mean, everybody. It's not just the preachers. It's not just whoever. Everybody stands before God someday when this is all over. And you have to uh, give an answer for your life. And that's, that's, when you, when you get that, I know not everybody gets that revelation, even though we've shared this verse a hundred times, but when you do finally get this revelation, it will change the way you live your life. If you're a jerk, you'll quit being a jerk. Right. If you, if you make excuses for other things, you'll stop doing that when you realize like, oh, wait a minute, man, I've got I'm going to answer God for this. Oh my gosh. Okay, never mind. It's not worth it. And so, Matthew 6.33, I want to say this, uh, you know, to, to close things out here tonight. Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all the things we need will be added unto us. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so, you know, I, I see some people that make every excuse in the world for why they can't come to church, but they do find time to play ball, go to concerts, travel, whatnot. And, you know, that, that's not, that's not affecting me. I'm not saying that because I, you know, you know, whatever. But what I am saying is for their own sake. Yeah. All right? For their sake. It's time to get serious about the things of God. And it's time to get serious about serving God. And it's time to not make excuses uh, for not answering the call of God upon our lives. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, the book of Romans tells us. And so if God put a call in your life, it's still there. And, you know, it's up to you if you're going to fulfill it or not. It's not up to Him, it's up to you. And so that's something for us to consider tonight. So anyway, this may not have been the, you know, Wednesday night uh, night of encouragement. That's my preference. But this is what the Lord led us to talk about tonight. Excuses and procrastination. And it's time for us to continue growing up. Amen. Give the Lord some praise as we close it out. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. Well, we'll go ahead and say goodbye to our live stream audience tonight. I'm going to let them go. Uh, just
right? So, love the live stream. Goodbye. All right. If you need prayer tonight, come on up, and uh, we will pray for you. We'll believe God with you. Amen.